Um, I did just get, like I was telling you yesterday, I just got the, the 55-inch 4K. So that's, you know, far and away the best thing that's happened to me in, in a long time. Um, although this weekend I did get a free breakfast buffet at Shoney's because I was in uniform. So that also was sort of a wow a win. Yeah, it's huge. Vener- um, vet- Veterans Day? No. I don't know. We just went in there for breakfast, and we were going to go to Waffle House, but then there was a Shoney's right next door, and I was like, oh, shit, I think they have a buffet there. So we went in, and uh, some guy paid for our, our buffet, and uh, yeah, it was huge. Welcome to Landline Podcast. I'm a professional voiceover artist that Alex could never have actually gotten unless I was his friend from 10 years ago. Saul. We just stopped at the New Hampshire liquor store. What'd you get? You know, the usual. Little little clears, little browns, little reds, little whites. Okay, well, um, I know you're with your brother. I won't interrupt you. Um, I just we're about to podcast with Max. I wanted I wondered if you could sort of give us give all all the landline listeners like a quick prologue to this podcast I'm about to do with Max. Like if you if you had to give three tips before you got out of the cab to the cab driver on Max, what would you tell him? Wow, so this is so you're having Max on for the his first podcast appearance because this this is a kind of big deal, full name, capital letter type of promotion if I've ever seen one. Yeah, and you know he was on with the two of us at one point, but um, that was sort of a you know menage a pod. Right now, I'm I'm interested to know how he's going to react to being on stage. We know that he's an incredible stage presence. The question is, how will he perform on stage? I think, look, I think that Max at his best will exceed any podcast guest you've ever had on this show. And I obviously don't include myself in that category because I don't consider myself a guest. But I think, I think if, Max, if, if Max is shining, he's going to shine brighter and fiercer and harder than just about anyone you can find. Uh, I think that his comic instincts are preternaturally sound. Um, I think his wealth of exotic tales is matched by none. Um, and I think the utter squalor and misery of the existence that would be called his life at this moment um, is unparalleled. So I think that if he decides to go in wielding and firing the ammo that he's got loaded, uh, you can't do any better. Okay. He... That being said. Go ahead. Uh, that that being said, he he might he might not you know he might not come to fight so to speak. Um, he might get a max that's kind of like when you uh, buy a really expensive light bulb and uh, light fixture and then put in like the cheapest bulb you have, and it's just not really doing it. Um, he'll cast some shadows. He's not going to look that great. He's not going to look the, make the things around him look that great. Uh, you cannot get a max coming in at fifty percent. 
Yeah, I, the the big goal for me, the interviewer, is to somehow figure out a way to get out all of his um, most depressing uh, elements without really making him feel awful about himself. So I think that's a pretty it's a pretty unique skill. I'm not sure I have. So, so I mean, I think you have a clear choice of approach. Do you do you want to hammer him aggressively uh, with kind of the Chris Matthews style of interview, just you know, aggressive barbs? you know, flurries of questions until he gets confused and starts being honest in spite of himself? Or do you want to take the kind of Howard Stern celebrity interview approach, you know, butter him up and wheedle all the good stuff out of him so he thinks that he's sort of in a, in a game and forgets all about being recorded? Well, we're going to have to find out on Landline Podcast coming up not next. Drive safe. Don't drink and drive. We'll talk to you soon. I might call in, by the way. All right. Well, you know the number. I'll uh, I'll text you the other number so you can call in and we can do a three-way. All right. Perfect. Bye. Hello? Max? Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Hold on one second. Hello? Hello? Max, are you there? I'm here. Sorry, someone called on the uh, other line, right, as you picked up. It's so rude. Who was it? They, I think it was a telemarketer because no one was there. That's really the only calls I get on the landline are telemarketers. Well, I can wait if you want to talk to them. <laughs> um, Max, welcome to Landline Podcast. How do you feel? Nervous, excited, sort of uh, nonplussed, as it were? Um, I don't know. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, I guess nervous. I don't know. Okay. I can't imagine anybody besides Phoebe is listening to this, so maybe not that nervous, but. Well, it's all recorded, so no one's actually listening to it right now, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, so Max, we're having you on. We're excited to have you. You told me that if I called you twice a week to chat for 10 minutes to assuage your loneliness, you'd do an hour long podcast with me, but then you backstepped and said you weren't lonely. Um, do we need to be worried about your loneliness? I guess is the first question I have for you. Uh, well, no, it's not entirely accurate. What initially what happened was Tom had not returned like two of my calls, I think in two days or whatever. So I got sort of TO'd about that. And then that's when I texted you that. But then when you did call me to talk, I realized I didn't really want to do two 10-minute phone calls a week, but I would still do just the one podcast per week because I figured that would be a good hour of talking anyway. It's true. So. Um, so you just got back from Drill in North Carolina. You're part of the uh, North Carolina National Guard. Um, yeah. You're the first guest. You're the first military guest. I, unfortunately, podcast. Landline podcast is basically like the Donald Trump cabinet. It's just white men. So is there a possibility you could play the role of like a, uh, you know, disenfranchised party of some sort? Or I guess more to the point, if you were if you were going to be a disenfranchised party, which one would you choose? Um, well, I am a redhead, so I don't really have to choose. I mean, that is a pretty disenfranchised party, I think. I would say historically <laughs> – We've been treated much worse than basically anybody else. So, why are redheads treated badly? Are they what? Are they treated badly? Uh, yeah, more or less. 
picked on, you know, sort of shunned by society for the most part. So you were in the military for two days uh, this past weekend. Yep. That was the first military experience you've had since Donald Trump was elected? Uh, yeah, it was. And does that, like, what, is that something you guys talk about? Like, I mean, he is technically going to be the commander-in-chief, so do do people in military units talk politics? Like, how does that work? Um, <clears throat> well, they didn't, for the most part, before, when I was in before, but uh, they seem to now, although, like you said, it's only a part-time gig, so, uh, you know, they're only part-time soldiers, but... uh. Yeah, everybody was was pretty stoked about it. And like, how does that manifest itself? They like high five and yell Trump in the barracks. Like, how do you know people are stoked about it? Uh, there was a lot of people talking about it. They all seemed to be happy about it. Seemed to be pretty big uh, Trump supporters. Um, a lot of them also are big. I don't know if you have this up uh, where you live, but there's a lot of people who are like uh, big Second Amendment people. And that's sort of their thing. Like some people are surfers or, you know, whatever. So a lot of people down here are just big gun people. So uh, they were pretty worried that uh, if a Democrat got elected, that it's going to be harder to get guns. So they uh, were pretty happy about that. Even though that's not really ever happened. I mean, even Obama didn't do anything without with for gun control, right? I mean, did did. Is there, is there, should there actually be a concern for gun owners if a Democrat gets elected? Um, I don't know. I don't have any guns. Um, I would say, uh, maybe, I don't know. I think, I mean, I think there were some, I think WikiLeaks had, uh, released some emails that Hillary had sent or some transcripts or something where she had basically said that she was going to be really strict on, uh, gun control. Although, you know. Who knows? I don't know. I would say uh, probably not. Although I think uh, Trump will probably, like, I think Trump has proposed, uh, like, a national concealed carry license, or I think it's basically state reciprocity with every other state. So that's sort of a big deal for the concealed carry crowd. But uh, I don't know. So what do you think the story is with Julian Assange exactly? The guy has now been living in an embassy in London for, what, three years? Yeah. Kind of dig his style. Um, he's probably uh, probably sort of a weird guy to start with. And then living inside for three years has probably made him a little bit more weird. <laughs> um, there was that rape charge in Sweden, I think. But, uh, you know, he's made some powerful enemies, so... Who knows if that was true? <clears throat> Seems to be pretty much uh, in bed with Russia at this point, but I don't know. I think it's. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of it before when he was releasing, like, you know, somewhat classified military documents, but now that he's sort of taking apart uh, the Clinton campaign, I think it's entertaining at the least. And, you know, more transparency in government is better. So. I think it'll be a, a plus in the long run. That's got to be so weird, though, waking up in a place you know you can't leave every day. Like, how is he possibly keeping his sanity? I mean, I'm sure there's some documentary that neither of neither of us have seen on that. But, like, what would you do if someone said you can't leave this 
giant house in the middle of a city for three years? How do you, how would you, I guess, do you think he just spends all of his time on the computer, like at wikileaks.com? Um, I would say he probably, I don't know. I mean, I guess what you do if you're trapped in a, your house is you make friends with hackers and fuck with the people who have trapped you in there. But I don't know. He probably talks to himself a lot, probably like plays chess against himself or checkers or something. I don't know. I can't imagine he gets a whole lot of visitors for the most part. Um, probably waits for like the cleaning lady to come by and then talks to her for 45 minutes, even though she maybe doesn't even speak English. So, but she is in London, but you think she speaks, she only speaks Spanish cause she's from Ecuador. Uh, I, maybe she just pretends she doesn't speak English. So he'll stop <laughs> her and she can go back to work. I don't know. Weird thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you you think he can like order takeout? I mean, what what is he allowed to do with the outside world? Um, he probably just eats at the cafeteria in the embassy. I would think. I don't know. He probably has made friends with everybody who works there, and he just sort of talks to them. And he probably looks in the mirror every day and says, "At least I'm not a redhead, so it can't be that bad." <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Probably does a lot. Probably watches Netflix and uh, talk to Anonymous on the internet and uh, thinks about ways to fuck with uh, with uh, Clinton. I mean, he's got to be getting a, something from Putin because he seems to do a lot to benefit him. So maybe Putin's getting him, like, hookers in there or something. I, I don't know. Well, and then Snowden. Does Snowden somehow factor in? Like, him and Snowden definitely are texting each other or they're on iChat or, you know, they're IMing each other over the course of the day, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about Snowden. I sort of stopped <laughs> paying attention to him when I, like, looked up his girlfriend, who I think now lives in Russia with him, who is this, like, extremely hot... Um, like former ballerina or some kind of dancer or something. And uh, he's such a, like, you know, pencil-necked little pussy. And so that sort of uh, really sort of, you know, made me come unhinged for a little bit when I read that. And then, I don't know, I stopped paying attention to him. Fuck him, he's an asshole. All right, so you were at the you were at you were training with the National Guard because you're trying to get back in the Special Forces. But for people who don't know you, you were also in the Marines for four years, right? Right out of high school, you joined. Yeah, a year after high school, but yeah. And that was a four year commitment. Yep. And you did tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. Now, what what constitutes a tour? Like just going over there? Like when people are like, "I did six tours." Is it any time you get deployed? That's a tour. Uh, yeah, I think that they, well, different services kind of have different length, length deployments. Um, so like one time when I went over there it was only for two months, so that's not really that long, but usually for the Marines, it's seven months. And then the army, I think it can be anywhere from six months to like a year and a half or something. So, but yeah, I would, I guess when people say they did a deployment, it's just, you know, going to another country and then coming back. So if you had to compare the National Guard to the Marines, is it like you were a vice president at like a hedge fund and now you're like selling, uh, 
like insurance in a, like a town in the middle of Iowa? Like what is the, how do you compare those two in terms of, I don't know, the whole thing, the atmosphere, the gear, the training, the whole, the whole, the whole package? Um, I guess it would be sort of like, um, oh man, my dad's driving by right now. wonder if he sees me here. Where are, where are you? I'm in the parking lot at Sheets. That's where I do most of my, where I do most of my official business. <laughs> I had to get. I went in. I got a large coffee and a monster, so I can get good and jacked up for this. Um, I'm in the parking lot. Yeah, this Sheets is right next to where I work, so I come here all the time. Um, but uh, let's see. In response to your question, I would say comparing like active duty Marine infantry or even army infantry to the National Guard, it would be like going from, yeah, like you said, like a VP of a of a Wall Street hedge fund to like, you know, selling Lucy cigarettes outside of a sheets or something. <clears throat> there's there's basically no comparison. Um, but it's uh, there's a lot of guys in the Guard who used to be on active duty, so. You know, you, there's a lot of experience there, but I mean, we show up for on Friday night and then go drive down to Fort Bragg and sit in the woods and walk around for two days and then come back. So it's not, uh, I don't see, I don't see the National Guard winning uh, too many wars for us, but I don't know. It's kind of fun. I guess you get to sort of hang out and shoot the shit, so to speak. Well, we were talking yesterday in our pre production meeting about how. Right. I saw Hacksaw Ridge, and there was like this crazy camaraderie of World War II soldiers. It's depicted in so many different um, stories, you know, Band of Brothers, uh, um, Saving Private Ryan, whatever, any of those stories. And then you were saying like how different the military is now um, because of cell phones, basically. Yeah, yeah, I figured you'd get a kick out of that. And, uh, well, it, it's different even now Now, since I got out in 2006 because whenever you're hanging out at your base, for the most part, it used to be just sort of hanging out and talking with each other, you know, making jokes and whatnot. And uh, now it seems like it's all just kids fucking around on their cell phones the whole time. So it makes it much more boring when you're just sitting around and everybody's just looking at their phone. But now when you're like training in the field or whatever, you don't have your phones on you. So I guess it's, it would be normal then, or, you know, it'd be the way that it used to be when they're out in the field training, but you spend a lot of time, um, sitting around on your base also. So yeah, it's kids looking at their phones. It's really boring. And what are they doing? Like looking at Tinder and Facebook? Like, what do you think they're actually accomplishing on their phone? Um, I would say, a lot of it, well, I mean, there's texting, obviously, but then a lot of it is probably just whatever those stupid games are that people play with, you know, where it's like a bunch of bright colors and you tap on like a star and it explodes and you get some points and then <clears throat> you tap on another star or something like that. I don't know. Who knows? Scrolling Facebook. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. So what's your, do you feel like an outsider? Um, I mean, you love your cell phone too. You're doing a fair amount of texting, I would say. Yeah, yeah, but it, you know, texting doesn't really 
take away from conversation that much. You know, you send a text, takes a couple seconds, and then you go back to talking. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say feel like an outsider, but it just sort of yeah makes it much more boring. And uh, so you know, I just scroll Facebook the whole time, and it's really uh, you know I don't really yeah it's it's not that uh, it's not that exciting sitting there for two days reading you know some stupid people's rant about Donald Trump or something on Facebook. Um, all right. Well, what do you want to get into here? You want to do a little celebrity? Do you want to, uh, tell some stories about walking? What, like what, what excited you most about, uh, the pod today? I want to make sure we're scratching your itch. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say I was super excited about it. Just, you know, it's nice to talk to somebody every once in a while. So, uh, whatever you want to get into is fine. We can do celebrities or walking or whatever. Well, what's your take on Kim Kardashian? The last headline I saw in the supermarket was that she's like off social media. Since the robbery in Paris, where, what do we know about her and like what choices has she been making vis-a-vis her celebrity? Yeah, that's, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot still to come out about that. I haven't followed it as closely as I would like to because I've been kind of busy, but, um, you know, there's a lot of talk that that was sort of a scam put on by her and kind of just looking for some more attention. Um, I think her bodyguard more or less sort of implied that in an interview. Um, and I think it was sort of the place that she was in. I think it's unlikely that anybody would have known that she was staying there because I think that's why celebrities stay there is because it's so unknown. And um, her bodyguard just happened to not be there at the time. Um, I certainly wouldn't put it past her to, uh, to fake something like that. So I don't know. I'm really hoping that it was a fake and that there's going to be a lot of drama because of it. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think she'll stay off of social media for that long. Do you think it's crazy? uh, I follow the younger ones on Snapchat more anyway. It yeah, be much more prolific on Snapchat. Kylie and Kendall. Yeah, and ha- and what's that like? What's their Snapchat account like? It's pretty racy. A lot of a lot of really racy stuff. A lot of like uh, sort of topless pictures with them just sort of like covering their, you know, nipple area and thong pictures and uh, you know stockings and high heels and stuff like that. So that's yeah, pretty, pretty racy stuff. Do you think that they had a strategy meeting in that house about 12 years ago and they just like an outside consultant from Bain came in and they were like, all right, so here's the next 15 years. We're going to do a rollout and it's going to start with Kim having a sex video with a rapper nobody knows. And then over time and they like showed a graph of the trickle down effect of that. And they had like the whole section of the plan where Bruce Jenner became a woman and like here's the plan where Kylie and Kendall become 18 and they can start doing like boob shots without their with everything but their nipple. I mean, it's just insane how much wealth has been accumulated by these people based entirely on a catalyst that was supposedly a sex tape that she didn't want coming out. Uh, Well, not entirely true. The um, 
they're famous because of the OJ trial, because their dad, you know, they were friends with OJ and Nicole, and their dad was famous because he was one of OJ's lawyers, and then supposedly he got rid of the murder weapon. There was that whole thing with the, he brought that bag out of OJ's house. Um, I would say the, I would guess that the sex tape maybe was planned or not planned, but seems like it's just sort of kind of evolved over time, maybe with uh, Ryan Seacrest being sort of running it kind of like Darth Vader and then Chris Kardashian being sort of like the emperor who's like the true evil behind it. And, you know, Seacrest likes to like to push the agenda, but he sort of, you know, feels bad for him at the same time too. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, definitely seems like, I think I would say Lamar and Scott Disick are probably the only real genuine people on it. Um, Rob, you know, I've been watching a little bit of Rob in China. Um, I would say Rob seems kind of genuine, but his genuine out, gen, genuinality, if that's a word, is um, kind of boring. He's just sort of like depressed and fat all the time. And uh, so, yeah, I would say uh, Chris, Chris is probably pushing the agenda the most, and Seacrest is sort of steering the ship, I would guess. Well, let's go through the list. We've got the Kim sex tape, because you were just bringing up stuff I totally forgot about. We've got the Kim sex tape. We've got Bruce Jenner becoming a woman. We've got like um, we've got Lamar Odom dying at the Bunny Ranch and being resuscitated. Um, Way to go, though. <laughs> we got Scott Disick, who has been in. He goes in and out of rehab. Is that true? He's been in and out a couple times, you know, but. Uh... Yeah, he's. I mean, he sort of breaks down and cries periodically on the show, saying that they're the only family he has. And then he's been trying to marry Courtney the whole time. And you know, granted, maybe he like bangs a lot of other chicks or whatever, but you know, gives a shit really. But so he's been trying to marry her the whole time, and she won't do it. She's sort of an, uh, you know, an ice queen. And so I think that's sort of fucked with his head a little bit. And. um but yeah, I mean, he's he's cool. I'm down with him. I would think I would definitely be friends with him if uh, the opportunity arose. What about let's not let's not forget the fact that sorry to interrupt, but it just um, quickly entered my brain the fact that the first reality show was Kim and that stupid player for the Nets. Yeah, Chris Humphreys. Right. What happened to that guy? Um, well, they were married for a while. I think like eighty-two days or something. <laughs> So they, um, yeah, they, well, I think that was, that wasn't even that early on in the show. I think that was like season four or five or something. And I was actually watching one of those recently. They re-showed it on E, but they, um, it was one where the whole family went to like Barbados or something. And so they all flew down there. And then I think Kim flew separately, but then maybe she didn't want to go. And there was this whole big thing. And then eventually she flew down, but I think Chris Humphreys had gone down with the family beforehand. And then uh, I think Courtney and Scott got in this fight, and Chris sort of sided with Scott. And Kim and Courtney said, well, you know, I sort of like him because of that, because, you know, he could have just sort of bowed down and just agreed with me. But since him and Scott seemed to be friends, he sort of stuck to his guns, and I respect that. And then at the end of the show, somebody was doing some monologue saying, you know, we're, we're sort of a crazy family, but in the end it all 
you know, kind of works out for the best. And, you know, it would have been funny if somebody, you know, hit fast forward and said, well, actually, these two are going to get divorced and Scott's going to be in and out of rehab and the two younger, you know, middle-aged girls are going to grow up to be total skanks and dad is going to become a woman in a couple of years. So, you know, it's kind of funny, I guess. But uh, Remember how they they convinced themselves that, or at least, I, okay, I've seen probably, and this isn't like a defensive thing. I just, I know that, I know exactly where this show makes people feel in their brain, and I'm totally, I'm totally for it. I get it. It's, it's, I have my own equivalents of this stuff. But I remember seeing a tidbit of one of those shows years ago where they're, they're trying to play the storyline that, that Kim and Chris Humphreys are considering moving back to Minnesota. And she's like back, <laughs> she's like back there, like touring, like, whatever weird two bedroom condo he's he's thinks is a great place to live while he plays for I don't know if he was on the Timberwolves then or what or whatever he was just that's where he was from and there was just no chance of that ever happening she like she can't be within you know she can't be far further than 10 miles from Hollywood unless she's on a private jet someplace yeah I don't see them really liking Minnesota that much um I haven't spent a whole, I think I've, I've went to one wedding there. That's the only time I spent there. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of, it's not super exciting. I don't think they would have liked it. It seemed like Chris Humphrey sort of had a kind of a deer in the headlights look the whole time. I mean, I think he knew he was sort of swimming with sharks, so to speak, in the, as far as reality TV goes. And, uh, I think he, he probably was glad to get out of there. It was, uh, that was too much for him to handle anyway. So. And have you kept up with uh, with Caitlin at all? Are you like a are you a uh, Caitlin fan? Um, I've dabbled. Yeah, kept up a little bit. Um, I think I think she's in between seasons right now. I think she had season one of what's what I think it's called. I am Kate, where it was her and these other sort of middle aged trannies driving around the country in this Winnebago. <laughs> And um, the weirdest thing about the show is that, like, Bruce Jenner, as a dude, was always a Republican. Not, like, super outspoken about it, but, you know, he's pretty into, like, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, that type of thing. And um, so he's maintained that political belief, even though he, you know, did whatever to his, his D, and now he's a chick. But so it was there was a lot of friction between him and the other you know, tranny ladies in the Winnebago because they're driving around going to all these transgender like speaking events, but he's the whole time is like still as a Republican. So uh, it was sort of funny, I guess. But I think he he actually met Hillary Clinton on one of the episodes. Like they were at some event together and they had a really awkward uh, hug, I think, in the lobby of some hotel. That is so weird. The whole thing. I, I don't know if it's weirder that Donald Trump is president or that those people are like the number one family on television. Um, yeah, it's a weird time to live in. Definitely. Chris Jenner is 61. I just looked up. Yeah, she's looking good, too. Well, it, sa- it says she has she has, you know, has been divorced twice. I think she's had about four complete face reconstruction surgeries. So, yeah. Yep. Sick kids too, you know. Wow. So, um which which one? Courtney, Kendall, Chris. 
Courtney. Courtney is not the one. Courtney is Scott's girl, right? Yeah, she's the oldest one, I think. So she and they have two kids. She rented a house on Nantucket last uh, beginning of beginning of July, end of June. And she, and you know, my sister Phoebe is pretty into the 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 clan, the Kardashian clan. Um, and she was like, follows them all on Instagram and they were, she was like posting all these crazy pictures about this house that she'd rented. Apparently Airbnb like put her up, um, at some giant mansion. It was like some, it was basically just a paid commercial. She was staying at this beautiful Airbnb and the whole thing was about her, like using her social media to promote how you could stay at like incredible houses through Airbnb. But I mean, <laughs> when you you know you know a little bit of, about Nantucket just from hearing me talk about it for twenty five years, and you've um, grown up in amongst you know uh, preppy um, people in New England. Pretty much, can you imagine like the shock on all of those people's faces when they found out a Kardashian was like on their little island um, and like just like. Completely exploding all their little cafes and beaches and beach clubs and um, restaurants with like just a giant camera crew or like a little cam. I don't know if there was a camera crew, whatever. But talk about a clash of civilizations. Yeah, they were they were probably uh, closing all the gray shutters over their windows while while she was there. And the Airbnb thing. I mean, I can't imagine that that's actually a real thing in Nantucket. Like, I don't think if me, Tom, and Noah wanted to Airbnb some mansion on uh, Nantucket that anybody would let us do that. Well, I yeah, I mean, I don't. You'd be surprised. Money talks, right? Yeah, because it's not like that's the funny. That's the funny thing about Nantucket. If you you know those commercials that are out now where it's like a guy whose car has been stolen and like a young girl who's just gotten her license and they say the exact same. Yeah. So it's like if you take. Um, the Kardashians or somebody like that or you, Tom, and Noah and put you on a party in Nantucket and then also take like three old white people who have been going to Nantucket forever and then you compare the results, it's pretty much the same amount of gin is going to be drank and like the same amount of arguments are probably going to happen and like potentially the same amount of puking is going to happen um, and both people are going to have to just pay a cleaning lady to clean it all up. So... Well, you You've obviously never lived with Tom because if there's a bottle of gin to be drank, then he will drink the whole thing. And he's pretty he's a pretty prolific uh, morning puker also. So. <laughs> yeah, well, he'd fit right in in Nantucket. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, well, what else are you watching on TV? What like what are what are your go tos? You said you watch a lot of news, um, but like what are what are your go tos right oh. now? Um. I did just get, like I was telling you yesterday, I just got the 55-inch the 4K. So that's, you know, far and away the best thing that's happened to me in, in a long time. Um, although this weekend I did get a free breakfast buffet at Shoney's because I was in uniform. So that also was sort of a, wow. a win. Yeah, it's huge. Vener uh, vet Veterans Day? No. I don't know. We just went in there for breakfast, and we were going to go to Waffle House, but then there was a Shoney's right next door, and I was like, oh, shit, I think they have a buffet there. So we went in, and uh, some guy paid for our, our buffet, and uh, yeah, it was huge. And you paid for that meal about three and a half hours later on, on a, in a rest area? 
No, I've conditioned myself to, to be able to eat a lot of different stuff. Um, not really cooking a lot myself. Like in years past, I've sort of eaten a lot of, done a lot of unconventional eating. And um, so, I mean, you know, stomach stuff comes and goes. It's sort of regardless of what I eat. It's periodically there'll be like a big event and sometimes it'll be, you know, calm, calm seas, so to speak. But anyways, sorry, I got you off track. You got, you had free Shonies. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I got the 55 inch 4k, which is, which is awesome. Um, but then, yeah, my fucking roommates now, all they want to do is watch, uh, college basketball, which I hate watching. Um, so that's all I've been watching the last week or so couple weeks but uh normally i would just watch the news um been getting into west world which is good um yeah mostly just the news and then reality shows i guess so what how do like how do you consume your news do you like flip or do you have one channel like who are your who can you stand to listen to at, at for any length of time um you know i i've always you know, said nothing in moderation. So I take my news the same way. I'll when I'm having dinner, or whatever. I'll go to MSNBC, and then when that's a commercial, I'll go to Fox News, and then when that's a commercial, I'll go to CNN. And then the whole time, I'm usually looking at CNN on my phone, just trying to get as much as much uh, consume as much news as I can. It's all you know. It's more you know pretty interesting stuff for the most part nowadays. So um, yeah, just take it take it like a fire hose. That's what I always say. So, so what – can you give us like some tidbits of what you found to be the most interesting stuff in the last two weeks? I mean it's been an all-time insanity uh, session for those people. So like has anyone lost it? Has anyone proven to be uh, in, you know, completely disgusting to you or do you have any new friends? Like what is your – maybe you're going to become our media critic. It sounds like you've got a lot of information. Um. Well, again, since my, my roommates are always watching the college basketball last week, I haven't been able to watch. I really wanted to see uh, Rachel Maddow the first day after Trump was elected and just see her, you know, see her reaction. Um, but didn't get to because I was watching some, you know, bullshit like Louisville basketball game or something. Um, but uh one thing that was in the news and then was not, and maybe it was one of those fake news stories, but it seemed kind of reputable where I read it, was that some of the leaked emails from WikiLeaks between, I think, John Podesta and um, whoever the lady who was married to Anthony Weiner, I forget her name. Huma, um, Huma Abedin. Yeah, yeah. That, that they were basically talking about taking part in sort of like semi-satanic rituals and um but then it it was in the news and then it wasn't and so i thought maybe it was a fake news story but where i read it was not somewhere that ever puts up fake news stories from what i remember but yeah they were getting a bunch of uh different bodily fluids and like mixing them together in some sort of cauldron and then doing some sort of ritual with them which i mean would it you know, not really that believable, but at the same time, you know, the most powerful people I would think are going to get bored pretty easily with the every, you know, the day-to-day sort of stuff that would keep us excited. So 
I would expect those type of people to be, be the ones who would get into uh, Satanism. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's got to be some... We There are always, like, twisted stories that come out about D.C. every few years, right? Like the... I mean, yeah. whether it's the like high class escort thing or but like there's like the all the congressmen like weird shit when they're doing their business um, or I don't know. I mean, I assume there's got to be. But maybe I don't know. I don't and, you know, for for an everyday Joe like, you know, me or or, you know, Tom or somebody like if I got the finger a girl like that would be a pretty big deal for me. Like that would keep me interested for a while. But. You know, for somebody like John Podesta, who's sort of at the seat of power, he probably doesn't have problems doing that. So, you know, he's going to need to get into more he's more intense stuff to keep his interest, I would think. So why was he emailing about it? I don't know. That does sort of it seemed almost almost like it was like, you know, a list of what to bring to the party. But uh you know, why do they email about anything? They keep getting busted like this. But, uh, I mean, I would guess that they're done emailing for now. It's probably being <laughs> in person. Or uh, I think uh, Mark Cuban has this new app where everything that you send, every message you send is automatically deleted once it's read. So, Yeah, well, it's but, but I think it's more like Twitter. Like it's like you tweet things and then they go away once they've been seen. But it is amazing, though. Like, no, it's it's an email. It's a it's a direct message thing. Okay, but obviously that stuff saves someplace, right? Like, even that is saved someplace. Can we all agree that everything that goes on the internet, including this podcast, will be there forever, even if I erase them all because someone says that I'm X, Y, and Z, and and therefore like I'm more nervous about it. Um, uh, well, yes and no. This is actually at one at a. National Guard drill a couple months ago. This kid, who's a computer science major, was telling me that that yes, everything that you do on a computer is saved in some form, except you can get that uh, that bleaching program, which is what I think Hillary Clinton's you know office used when when they said that she bleached those emails, and it's a program that goes in, and you know let's say everything is in binary code, so you know if I were to write you know, Noah's a stupid little bitch, it would be, you know, whatever one and zero combination would would spell that out. But so this program would go in to your hard drive and it would change all those ones and zeros just to X's. So you'd still have that same combination of characters, except instead of ones and zeros, it would just all be X's. So it's sort of like it's bleaching it. And you feel like this actually works. This is a way that like you can escape both Putin and Snowden and uh, Julian Assange. Um, well, I think I think that's what what Hillary's uh, what Hillary's crew did, and I think that for now, yeah, that does work. I mean, I'm just saying what this kid told me, and he's a computer science major, so I'm assuming that he's right. But like anything, you know, maybe you know that was a couple months ago, so maybe by now there's programs to get around that. I don't know. Well, at this at the same time, it's pretty ironic that the person who just got elected president kind of completely exploded everyone's idea of what can and can't be said because he said everything and was still elected. So at the same time that we see all these news stories about people being nervous that they have like a cyber trail and everything will be permanent and X, Y, Z bleaching, bleaching emails. 
this guy has basically given new life to the to the idea that uh, fuck it, that I did say that, and what are you going to do about it? And then the people elected him. Now I wish somebody with good moral character and a smart mind had um, been the one who proved that, um, but unfortunately it was this asshole. Um, yeah, I think it is. Uh, it's kind of refreshing. It seems like maybe a lot of people are uh, just sort of pushed so far in the sort of politically politically correct realm that yeah, I think people are maybe sick of this idea that you can't say anything that happens to be true or you can't have a sense of humor anymore and uh, that um, I don't know I, I think it's just it, people have gone so far to the edge with the politically correct thing that now it's sort of slingshotting back to a sort of normalcy where you can actually say things that are funny or that are true or that are, you know, regardless of they're funny or true, that are genuine, and you know, not be, not be criticized because of them. What do you think about Trump on Twitter? Do you think he should be able to keep tweeting once he's in the office? Once, once he's in the Oval Office? Are you on Twitter? I'm not on Twitter. Um, I've really thought anybody would want to listen to anything I had to say. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess it's, uh, I don't know. I think it probably doesn't really matter. I mean, he, regardless of president or not, he has the right to uh, free speech. So, yeah, let him be on Twitter. I would say, yeah, maybe it's not super presidential, but at the same time, you know, who really gives a shit what's presidential or what's not? And, uh, I mean, I, I think it's just as appropriate for Trump to be on Twitter as it is for, you know, Obama to be having jay-z and beyonce over to the white house i mean both are sort of stupid celebrity politics so yeah let him be on twitter and you know i've always been a huge fan of trump and rosie o'donnell's feud so i think if he keeps that going then yeah i think it's whatever keeps that going is is worthwhile I will say Rosie O'Donnell is underappreciated in a couple of roles, like specifically Beautiful Girls is one of my favorite roles of hers. And I feel like she was outstanding in another early 90s comedy of some sort that I'll have to look up. But um, when did when did all the hate for Rosie O'Donnell arise? Like, why did everyone start caring about Rosie O'Donnell? Um, I don't know exactly. I think I think she's on The View now. And I think she's pretty outspoken in terms of in terms of being like just sort of like a really aggressive fat bitch but again yeah i mean i i think she's kind of funny in a lot of ways too um i don't know i think that that her commitment to the fight with trump and trump's commitment to their feud i think is pretty inspiring that they both sort of refuse to let it go and so yeah i don't know i dig it i like how he uh he gave her that jab in that one debate with uh with Hillary Clinton, you know, that's how deep his, his feud with her is. But then also a lot of people either forgot this or didn't mention it, but at one point, Rosie O'Donnell's daughter went missing. And I think she has like some kind of disorders, some maybe autism or something like that. And I think she's like 20 or something. She went missing and Donald Trump tweeted towards tweeted, I guess, to Rosie O'Donnell and said some along the lines of, you know, you and me, basically hate each other but you know i sort of respect you a little bit and i feel bad that your daughter's missing and i hope that uh you find her soon and rosie o'donnell tweeted back like yeah thanks i appreciate it but that's been sort of underreported 
Well, she was. I think the movie I was thinking of uh, her in was A League of Their Own. Wait, she was in A League of Their Own. Was she the catcher? Yeah. No, Gina Davis was the catcher, but she was sort of like the big talker, remember? And I think she was the one who cried and he yelled, there's no crying in baseball. No, no, no. That was somebody else. That might have been Madonna or no. It was just some random. No, yeah. Tom Hanks was really funny in that. Uh, well, she was Rosie O'Donnell was in that movie Something Eden with Dan Aykroyd where they were undercover cops and they had to go to that um, hedonistic uh, like swingers resort in the Caribbean. Exit to Eden. I'm on IMDb yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of a funny movie. So you don't care that it's the end of like presidentialism? No. I don't. Um, Yeah, I mean, this election has sort of been, I would say, the true test of my nihilism. I sort of, as you know, sort of embraced nihilism a lot more since I got older. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that really, really care about what's going on with this election. And uh, I don't know. I really, really don't. But at the same time, like, I don't. Really, and I'm going strictly off my gut here. I don't really think it's going to be that bad that Trump got elected. I think it'll be either marginal. I think it'll be either basically stay the same or things will get better. I don't know. I don't really know a whole lot about the economy, but my vibe, the vibes that I'm getting is that uh, he'll be good for the economy. Um, I think he'll be he'll definitely be good for the military. Uh, that's, you know, you've already seen that. He appointed uh, Mad Dog Mattis as uh, Secretary of Defense. You like that guy? Huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that could be a whole separate podcast. But yeah, basically, what you have now is you have basically a, a class of what's called uh, chalet generals, which is basically you have all these generals who came up in the 90s, and there's nothing going on, and they're basically just careerists who did their best to not get in trouble. They have no real combat experience. And then these are the generals now who sort of guide the, uh, the policy, and uh, they suck, basically. Like the, the last commandant of the Marine Corps was the worst one that we've ever had. And, you know, he had no – he was a pilot. He had no combat experience. And, you know, he made a lot of really bad decisions that kind of fucked up a lot of shit for the Marines. But now you have this guy, Mad Dog Mattis, and uh, I think he's, he's one of the few exceptions to that rule. And uh, appointing him as Secretary of Defense, I think, is huge for the military. Um, we may sort of spiral into World War III, but... Uh, but as a nihilist, that doesn't bother you. I mean, it's been a really long time since we've had a World War, so I would look at that as the positive opposed to it being a negative. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, watching Hacksaw Ridge and watching the Hollywood version of what those guys had to do in Okinawa, like, I really, I don't know, you could speak better to this than I could, and I guess I risk insulting the military, which will be brought up against me if this stupid podcast ever becomes popular, but, like, do we really think that the people in 2016 could do what those guys did, where they're going, like, inch by inch, hand-to-hand combat, getting like stabbed and bayonetting each other and like machine gunning each other or using flamethrowers and napalm packs. And then like having to like heave them, heave themselves off cliffs using, using like rope 
bridges and all that shit. Like now it's just a bunch of drones and computers. It feels like. Um, this kid that I work with just pulled into the sheets parking lot. He's on his lunch break and it's going to look so weird when he sees me just sitting here on my day off. Um, anyway, uh, there's an echo. I can hear myself talk. Can you do something about that? It's really annoying. Have you been, has that been the whole time? No, it's kind of recent. Uh, anyway, I, I can work through it, you know. Sorry. If they if they took Hacksaw Ridge, I, I can work through this. Um, oh, another one of our customers just drove by. Um, so, what was your question? Could people in 2016 do what they did now? Um, probably, yeah. I mean, I would say that the... The kids in the military now probably are softer than the guys in the military during World War II, but that's just sort of a natural progression of things. People sort of get softer as time goes on. Um, you know, obviously our war was nothing like World War II, but, you know, guys stood tall and did, did what they had to do to get it done. So uh, I would say that the public probably doesn't have a stomach for something like that. So that would be sort of the limiting factor in terms of us getting into like a real war again. But uh, I don't know. I think uh, I think if if push came to shove, that the guys in the the modern day infantry would would do what, whatever had to be done and could probably do it. Yeah. All right. Well, you're not going to see um, you're not going to see hacks already. You said, um, but no, I, I said I probably wouldn't. It just it looked sort of not that good from the preview um there's a lot of other movies i'd rather see i mean i'll see it definitely i, I just might not you know spend 25 bucks to go see it in the theater so do you want to end this podcast in the next 10 minutes talking about mel gibson or do you want to talk do you want to tell one funny story so we end up on a uh, high note um you want to end it i mean we could keep going i, I got I, stay off. I have class in 40 minutes is it something you can skip? <laughs> I'd prefer not to because it, I think, is about three hundred and seventy-five bucks a session. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mel Gibson. I was a huge fan of those recorded tapes between him and his ex-wife. <laughs> he was all fucked up on coke or whatever. Uh, that was probably, I would say, that's except for *Lethal Weapon*. Obviously, probably my favorite, you know, thing that he's ever done. Um, Let's see. What uh, what were the other things you were asking me about? Do you have any funny stories you want to tell us? I mean, this has been pretty. This has been great and informative, and I think we're gonna f definitely find our way on this weekly podcast. I'm realizing just by this what you do and don't want to talk about. So we're we're uh, we're you know we're definitely gonna do your we're gonna do mass media for sure. Um, yeah. But I just wondered if you had any like funny stories from the last few weeks that you might want to tell. Um, I haven't even cracked my monster yet, so I I can't believe you drink that shit. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I'll drink a blue. I mean, I get the zero calorie one, so there's no sugar. Um, yeah, I'll drink a blue monster every once in a while. On Sundays, I do the dew. Get a, a bunch of diet dews and slam them. Um, yeah, I do some things that are that are not super healthy sometimes. What's your alcohol intake like these days? Uh, I mean, it's it's basically nothing. I don't really party a whole lot anymore. Um, you know, the, the dark passenger is always there, just like with Dexter. 
there's you know there's there's the potential to go out and maybe get pretty loose so to speak but uh i haven't really gone out that hard recently um i think i, I mean i went out like a few months ago and uh, puked outside of this bar on the sidewalk um but yeah you might be allergic to alcohol um no i don't think so I just like like to load up load up and party so um do you want to give us any uh input on thanksgiving like are you excited about thanksgiving um no well i got i gotta work the whole time because we'll be busy i was gonna go to this friendsgiving tonight at my roommate's girlfriend's house but uh he texted me and said that they don't have enough food so i can't come anymore so uh, that's sort of disappointing, but I got a bunch of like frozen broccoli that I'm gonna heat up, so that'll be just as good. Come on, that's bullshit. Why don't you just bring a bucket of chicken from KFC and and show up? Do you think they just don't want you there? Um, no, I think that he probably thinks that I don't really want to go, and also they don't really have that much food, I guess. But uh, that's not really my scene for the most part. Like I don't know how many single girls will be there. Uh, I don't really like to eat in front of people. I think it's inappropriate. Um, I don't like food-based parties. I think that's sort of gluttonous and inappropriate. Uh, I certainly don't want to sit there and watch some fucking chicks stuff their faces. It's disgusting. Um, and I don't really like, uh, you know, like super domestic scenes. I think that's sort of suffocating. Um, it would be like, you know, for me to go to somewhere like that would be like asking you know, if, if I said to you, you know, you and Anna, do you guys want to come stay at this uh, frat house tonight? And uh, maybe everybody will be studying and it will be quiet or maybe they'll be raging until six in the morning. You'd probably say, you know, no, I don't want to do that. That's sort of how I feel about domestic stuff. Um, yeah, you've never been a big sit, sit at the table and eat guy. No, no. I take my meals in front of the TV, so... Um, what were you were asking me earlier about speeches that I've given? Oh yeah, did it, well I just I was going to sort of introduce you as a comedian, but um, then I didn't know if you would like that pressure, so I just thought I would you know maybe have you uh, recant a story of when you've been successful on stage to give the listeners some sort of uh, indication that you're going to succeed at this podcasting gig. Uh, well, I think I think the only speech that I've ever given was actually at Paula's wedding, which, as you know, uh, at least 10 people came up to me afterwards and said it was the best best wedding speech they'd ever heard. Um, not to be confused with what you and Saul gave at Tim's wedding, which weren't actually speeches. They were prepared documents that you read. Um, but yeah, I think that's the only speech I've ever given. The only other thing that I can think of, and I was trying to think of it earlier, was in, I think, ninth grade at the end of the year, we had to write some long paper. It was like five pages or something. And I wrote mine about Robert Frost, I think. And um, we had to read it in front of a different a different class. And I had that uh, real old guy, I think Mr. Murphy. And for whatever reason, he said that we all had to memorize them and then recite them, which is insane. Like, who's going to ask a ninth grader to memorize five pages? So... I tried to memorize it, and then I got up, and it was your class with, uh, I think, Miss Davis, maybe was her name? I don't know. But 
I got up in front of your class and uh, tried to recite it, and I immediately, as soon as I stood in front of the class, I immediately forgot every single word that I'd written and just sort of rambled for a couple minutes. And uh, the only thing that I really remember was hearing you laugh in the background at how horribly I was uh, failing at it. And then, you know, a couple minutes into it, I just sort of turned to the teacher. I was like, listen, I don't have anything else to say. I don't remember anything. She's like, all right, just sit down. And everybody else, I think I went first, and then everybody else just read their paper. And, um, yeah, I think that's the only other public speech I've given. Well, you know that I was laughing at you, like, I was laughing with you, not at you, right? Because I probably commiserated. There's no way I memorized my five pages. Well, no, that's the thing. Only our class was told that we had to memorize them. Oh, Jesus. And And I went first, so I was the only one who even attempted to memorize. Everyone else just read it. Um, and you, it sounded a lot like you were laughing at me, but, um, do you want me to tell that joke that I was telling you about yesterday? Yeah. Quickly. I want you to just clarify whether you thought Saul and I did a bad job at Tim's wedding because I have like a lot of pent up anxiety about that night. Um, no, it was a really good job, but a lot of people were saying that was the best, you know, wedding speeches that they'd ever heard. And I was just clarifying that if you go up there with a a pre-prepared document that you're just reading, you know, that's just reading a short story that you wrote. That's not an actual speech, in my opinion, but I'm sort of a purist when it comes to public speaking. So did you think my risk to start my my prepared remarks by mentioning the bride's breasts was over the line, under the line, or right on the line? I don't even remember that part. I said right... It was over the line. <laughs> My first line of that speech was Rachel's perfect breasts. Oh, well, yeah, that's not so bad. And I said I was trying to, and I was alluding to the fact that I wanted to get everyone's attention. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, um... You told me it was risque during the party, which clearly now you forget. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's in the, well, what's done is done. It's in the past. I would say, uh, neither of you did said anything that was that bad, um... Again, I'm sort of, my memory's sort of hazy because the whole thing with Saul's uh, tent that he had promised to get me and then didn't get me, and then the whole thing about how the girl thought that me and Saul were a gay couple because we were arguing about sleeping in the same tent, um, sort of clouding my judgment at the time. I was pretty drunk, I think. But Yeah, you were pretty drunk. You urinated on the floor of my mobile home that evening. That's right. That's right. But you did clean, clean it up nicely the next day, and then luckily it just had no odor because it was just straight Bud Light. Yeah, I mean, in my defense, I've never, you know, peed or done anything else at a wedding, not in a toilet, when I haven't cleaned it up. So, except I think at your wedding, when I peed in that uh, kitchen, I guess I didn't clean that up, but... That would be, of the three times that that's happened, you know, only one time did I not clean it up. So I have a 66%, you know, of cleaning up after myself. Um, yeah, tell us the joke. Oh, uh, well, in a, I shouldn't have built it up that much. It's not going to be funny, but it's sort of funny. as Because um, you were talking about how you were in the soccer finals for your uh, your business school. Yeah, we lost 4-2. Oh, uh, yeah, well, it happens. Um I was going to say, make sure that when you're goalie and you're bouncing the ball, don't let the ball bounce backwards into the goal. 
Did I do that once? Yeah, you did that, I think, in high school. Shit, I don't remember that at all. Oh, well, maybe I'm remembering wrong. Um, yeah, well, so that's not, not, not the funniest joke ever, but... <laughs> that's the worst joke. Some people, if you talk to some people that you played soccer with in high school, they'll remember. I think maybe that's true, like JV. No, we lost 4-2 to the Harvard Business School in the third match we've had with them this fall. We won the first, and then we lost the last two. And, like, basically Tyler Winklevoss scored all four goals against me after he told me in the previous game that I was a child molester because of my mustache. Um, wait, wait, like the Facebook guy? Well, it just it wasn't really him, but it was, like, a six foot five blonde aristocrat at Harvard Business School. It was, like, yeah. someone that, you know, you makes me think pretty terrible thoughts. Um, oh. it, it was snowing, and nice. we started 45 minutes late, and the game was scheduled for 9 p.m., so we started at 9.45 because the goals were locked to the chain-link fence, and there was... Sh- <laughs> There was shattered glass all over the field because they had been the Harvard-Yale game the day before, and all these people had tailgated on the field we, had, we were playing on. Nice. And the Venezuelan, the Venezuelan kids on my team went nuts, especially one who got a red card, his second straight red card in the tournament. Um, <laughs> so, But it was a festive end to a great soccer season with the Babson NBA soccer team, and we had like 40 fans come out in like this crazy, windy snow flurry. And they were like having a great time watching us, so that was really fun. Yeah, no, nobody cares about your soccer team. It's kind of like listening to somebody describe their dreams. It's like, you know, what are you talking about here? Nobody cares. Um, I did. Uh, there was another kind of joke that I was thinking about, and again, I, it's not really that funny. But if you know somebody were to go on stage and say it, you know, and deliver it well, it'd be funny. And it's about how. Adele like sings all these songs about her past lovers and like how they had this really emotional breakup, but they still have this connection and whatever else. And I was, you know, I was going to say like how funny it would be if somebody, you know, talked to the guys that she's singing about. (laughs) They didn't even realize that they were dating her. They thought she was just some plump girl that they banged after meeting one night in the bar. But, uh, you know, you'd have to work out the, the kinks and the joke or something, but it'd be, so I'm like, you know, the two guys would be sitting around and she would be, a, you know, her video would come up of her singing the song. And then the one guy would turn to the other one and be like, oh, isn't that that fat girl that you banged after your birthday party last year? Uh, I don't know. It would be funny if done right, I think. Yeah, I mean, um, it's not not funny. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about how it's just another white guy on uh, Landline Podcast, but it's a redhead this time. So, Max, that's it. Thanks for being on Landline. You did great. Um, I think the listeners will learn to love your brand of humor. I know I do. Um, I would suggest against drinking that monster. I would say just slide it into the fridge and leave it for another day. Um, Good luck at work this week, and uh, we'll be in touch about the podcast next week. Maybe we can... Maybe we can pick some specific celebrity gossip to go over because I think that's our real niche, if you know what I mean. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, Have a good day, and uh, we'll talk tomorrow. Okay. All right. See you soon. Bye. Okay, bye. Landline is hosted, written, and produced by Alex McKay. 
The best thing you can do to support the show is tell a friend. Find other episodes of Landline on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and talkforaliving.com. Call the Landline at 617-744-1895. Music by the Pitchfork Revolution out of Bend, Oregon. We're taking this show to the top, baby. You're listening to Landline.